Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Acts chapter 9. I want to talk to you about having an encounter with God. Having an encounter with God. Hallelujah. Having an encounter with God. When you read the book of Acts, you see the disciples having encounters with God that radically changes their lives on a constant basis. Throughout the entire ministry of the Apostle Paul, he had one encounter after another encounter and another encounter. And you can see that in the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is a book of not only the Word, but it's also the blueprint for the church. And if you follow the blueprint of the church, then you know you'll succeed. Can you say amen? And so today, as Christians and believers, we should also have encounters with God. Amen. Because that's the proof that He's real. When you've been touched by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you cannot deny that He's not real, even though you cannot see Him. We see this with, <clears throat> with Saul in Acts chapter 9 out of the Passion Translation. It says this, During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. Now, how many believe that's really passionate right there? You have to understand that in those Arab nations where mostly Muslims are, <clears throat> if you try to convert a Muslim from Islam to Christianity, you, you could be arrested, thrown in jail, beaten, and even beheaded. So they kind of understood that. Saul kind of understood that. He, he's like, these people are infiltrating Judaism or my religion with this false Christianity thing called the way. Do you know they nicknamed it the way? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he goes on to say here, murderous disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went and asked the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? A booming voice. Not only that, a light shone around about him. And when that happened, boom, he fell to the ground. He didn't fall off a horse. There's no horse mentioned here. For a preacher to say, he fell off his horse. There is no horse. He didn't fall off a horse. Didn't say there wasn't on a horse, but it didn't say there was a horse. He fell to the ground. Every time when you read in the Word of God where man comes in contact with God or God comes in contact with man, guess where man was? On the ground. Why is that? Because our natural flesh can't take that supernatural power. Something happens. Hallelujah. The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, Who are you? Lord, 
Right there at that moment is when Saul got saved. Right there. He got saved as he was falling out. Who are you, Lord? Boom. So how do you know that? Because Acts 2.21 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, you might have just a time to say, Jesus, before you're hit by a Mack truck. And you see the headlights in your eyes. Jesus! Amen. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, where you will be told you what you should do. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. For three days he didn't eat or drink, couldn't see a thing. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name Ananias. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance. Go to the street called Abundance. Come on now. How would you like to live on Abundance Street? Amen. Go to the street called Abundance and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw a supernatural vision of a man named Ananias coming to lay his hands upon him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias replied, many have told me about his terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name. The Lord Yahweh answered him, Arise and go. I have chosen this man to be a special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give him the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is to, he is to destined to suffer because of his passion for me. Ananias left and found the house where Saul was staying. He went inside, laid his hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, Saul, my brother, Saul, my brother. When did he become a brother? Who art thou, Lord? As he was falling out. You don't call somebody a brother unless they've given their heart to the Lord Jesus. Isn't that right? Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in the road, has sent me to pray for you that you might see again, watch this, and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why I said tonight, I hope you're so filled to overflowing that they have to carry you out. Because some of you really need to be carried out. Because if you were standing where I was standing and seeing what I was seeing, you know what I'd be talking about. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of you need some overflow. Overflow me, Lord! Not just a sipper, but a chug-a-lugger. Not just a cup, Lord, but a 55-gallon drum. Come on. Immersed. Saturated. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared, and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. What? Baptized in what? Baptized in water. Come on, now he got born again, and then he got baptized in water. And not only that, he got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Nice. 
after eating a meal, his strength returned. Now, that's a very interesting statement right there. Because when you get overwhelmed, overpowered, I, I have been in places where my strength was waned under the power and presence of God. Why do people fall out? They lose their strength. Yeah. I can tell you story after story after story after story when people have fallen out in the power of God. And it's almost like they lost all their strength. People get upset when people fall out. I say, it has nothing to do with the preacher. Come on, hello somebody. It has nothing to do with the preacher. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. He maketh you to lie. He maketh you to lie down. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack for any good thing. He maketh me to lie down. I say this all the time. When people fall under the power of God, don't be in such a hurry to get up. So why is that? Because maybe God wants to get your attention to speak to you. He did that with Paul. Oh, I think I'm finished. No, you, you might have, right then and there, the answer to your prayer could have just came right then and there, and you thought, well, I'm done. No. Sometimes you've got to, God, a lot of times God will speak in your dreams because he can't get our attention while we're awake. <laughs> so he's got to speak to you in a dream because we're just so busy with life. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. After eating a meal, his strength returned. Within the hour, he was in the synagogue preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus, the Son of God. See, the thing is, is when you, when you receive an encounter with God, when you receive the touch of God, it's no longer your plans. It's no longer our ways of doing what we think is right. Suddenly, you begin to go, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? You, you, you'll begin a begin to be a proclaimer because all of a sudden the touch of God has radically changed your thinking, has radically changed your life. Why? Because God is no longer just a Sunday morning sermon. He's no longer just a Bible school story. He's no longer just pages on the book. He has now become real to you. And when God becomes real to you, it changes your whole perspective of church, serving in the church, worshiping God, reading your Bible. It's no longer just pages on a book. They become alive to you. They jump off the page of the book. And suddenly, they're, all the doubt, watch it, all doubt and unbelief will leave. And, you, and, and then when you read the Word, it just jumps off at the pages. Just jumps off the pages of the book. And then revelation will come. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, Be not drunk with wine to resist, but be being filled. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to lie. So listen, you, you, you got to continually pr to press in. you got to continually to be hunger. you got to continually go after God. It's not, it, the proof of desire is pursuit. The world will suck the very life out of you. It will. It'll suck on your spiritual life, your physical life. It just drain, 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 drain. We live in a very fast-paced society. I mean, this year is almost over with. Just a few more months. 122 days from now will be Christmas Day. 
Wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish you a Merry Christmas. I wouldn't be surprised on October 31st, Christmas trees. They're already out. There you go. See? Oh. Within the hour, he was in the synagogue preaching about Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, the Son of God. So you should have encounter after encounter, filling after refilling, filling after refilling. I had a preacher tell me, oh, you can't have a move of God every service. I said, says who? You? Preaching, teaching, and demonstrating. That's what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, Jesus went about the villages preaching, teaching, and healing all. Preaching, teaching, and healing. How is the world going to know that Jesus is real unless we tell them about Jesus and lay hands on them? Pray for them. Let the life of God in you come out of you. And now we're living in a time that is now becoming easy. It's almost like the time of the, of the healing revival in the 1949 through 59 healing revival where healing was just so easy. So it will be an accumulation of every move of God. It would just be so easy. You just lay your hands on them and, and they'll be healed. You'll be surprised and be shocked. You know, the, we've been running with these prayer cloths. We're going to have prayer cloths. And now, now we're getting testimonies. And I did, I did a short little video before we came there about offering, you know, hey, listen, if you need a prayer cloth. And now people are sending in their address. I need one. 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 So I said, let's run with it. Let's see what God will do. It's biblical. I mean, when tumors out of dogs' ears are disappearing, come on, somebody. People with strokes are being healed. Hello. People with, on, that are about to take dialysis because their kidneys aren't operating at 50%, and the doctor tells them, well, we're going to have to put you on dialysis and all that kind of stuff. Your kidneys are breaking down. And suddenly a prayer cloth is placed on them, and in a few days they keep it with them 24-7. And then you hear a report, go back to the doctor, and now it's operating at 80%. And the doctor says, oh, just come back in a couple months. We'll see how it is. So I believe the next time she'll go, it'd be 100% the kidneys operation. Listen, the doctor, he declared your kidneys are in kidney failure. Come on, hello, somebody. What is that? It's the anointing of God. It's the encounter with God. It's a touch of God. You have to, I run in the ministry because of the touch of God. Happened to me in 1993, the second week of March, on a Monday night at 10 o'clock at night, a Carpenter's Home Church and a Rodney Howard Brown meeting in Lakeland, Florida. And that is the only hope that I keep running. And that's the only hope that I don't quit the ministry and go into business full time because that right there would be so easy. I'm just telling you right now, we're in the security agency business. It, we would not lack today's society for any business. I'm just telling you, we would not. And I could run that sucker seven days a week, 24-7. Business has always been a part of Pastor Marie and I's thing. We've always done that. and The, the Lord allows us to do it and His blessings on it. And we support the gospel with that. Amen. Amen. Support the gospel with that. I, I write a check every two weeks when all the accounts pay and all that kind of stuff right off the top. 10% right off the gross from the ministry. Amen. And we help, help guys work. 
Come on now. I mean, Juan is one of my officers. He likes for nothing. He's like, Pastor, Pastor, help me out, Pastor. Because we put him to work. James is one of my officers. You put him to work. Don does things part-time for us. When, when I need him, he helps out. He, not only that, his, biz, his lawn business is exploding. In one month, he went from, can I tell him? Can I tell him? In one month, he went from 35 accounts. Now he's at 45. 45 accounts. He still helps his pastor out when I need him. Yeah, pastor, I'll do it. I like carrying a gun. I said, hey, you my kind of guy. <laughs> his granddaughter calls him a police officer. Granddaddy. Yeah. You're my hero. <laughs> Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah. It's a touch of God. It's a touch of God that keeps me going. It's the inspiration of souls that keep me going. Doing more crusades. Amen. But see the harvest brought in. No matter what the opposition is, it keeps me going. That's what keeps me going. Hello. I didn't go into the ministry to become a millionaire. Came into the, went into the ministry because I have a heart for God's people. Is to grow them up in the things and the admission of the Lord so they can have rewards in heaven, like a soul winner's crown, a robe of righteousness. Come on. And that they understand who they are in Christ Jesus. Come on, hello. That's the reason why we promote the Bible school. So that you can give more, more, more knowledge. So you can overcome the devil, the devil. It's a bad day when the devil knows more scripture than I do. That's a bad day. <laughs> Come on now. He, that he understands. He was around the throne of Almighty God. He stood by him. Come on, hello. I want, to see, I want to see God's people prosper financially. I want to see God's people prosper in their bodies. We have no ulterior motives. We just want to see more people. I don't know. We want to take more people on the mission field so that when you lay hands on somebody who has a tumor, and when you lay hands and that tumor disappears, you're like, hold, hold in. Shut up. Next. It's loaded. You lay hands on somebody and suddenly they fall into the power of God and they start manifesting. <laughs> when you're out in the field and you pull somebody out of a wheelchair, that for 22 years they were born crippled and they've never walked in their life. And you pull them out of the wheelchair. As a team, the team pulled them out of the wheelchair. Bring him up on the stage. And he walks for the first time. And the crowd gasps. <gasps> Sucks the air out of the very atmosphere itself. <gasps> or you step off the platform with your team to go back to the hotel. And 40,000 people shift in one direction. And want to touch your team members. Because you're in the press. How about just waving your hand? As you wave your hand, the anointing of God starts knocking people over. And as you make a path all the way to the hotel, praise God, amen. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. It was not the world that put Jesus on the cross and crucified Him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So please forgive me for wanting you to have a robe of righteousness, a crown of salvation, be prosperous, be healthy, be successful. Please forgive me. I just, I just really want you to really prosper. I want you to fulfill the call of God in your life. I want you to fulfill the ministry that God's called you. Please forgive me for desiring that for you. Amen. Amen. It's the touch of God that will carry you through the fire. It's the touch of God that will carry you through the flood. It's the touch of God that will keep you going. You'll remember the day, the hour, the moment when you had an encounter. I remember where I was when I got born again at 12 years old. I was at Spencer Memorial Baptist Junior High School in the library with the teacher who led me to the Lord at 12 years old. At 17 years old, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, at Bayshore United Methodist High School. It was during a chapel service on a Wednesday morning. I was down at the altar after the principal, Herman Valdez, taught on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and called for students to come forward to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and then called students that were already baptized with the Holy Ghost to come and lay hands on the ones that wanted the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I knelt down at that old Methodist wooden altar and Ron Saunders laid his hand on me and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. And I started screaming at the top of my lungs in other tongues. Cleared the whole building out except for the other 29 students that were also filled with the Holy Ghost. And then for two weeks, that anointing was on me big time. And words of knowledge were coming to me at 17 years old. I remember Kathy Beale, red-headed Kathy Beale, in the lunchroom. Two days after I was filled with the Holy Ghost, she's sitting across from me. And I said, Kathy, I said, when, she said, what happened to you? I said, I don't know. I just got filled or something with the Holy Ghost. And I got this language and stuff. And I said, Kathy, when you were a little girl at three years old, your stepmother would put you in ponytails. And when you misbehaved, she'd stick you in the closet with the vacuum cleaner. And you would cry and cry and cry and cry because your mother, did, that's how she disciplined you. How do you know that? I said, I don't know, but God's speaking to me. <laughs> and then at 26 years old, full-blown janitorial business. Full-blown. Working day and night and night and day. She had 15 houses she cleaned. I had five cost-cutter hair salons. I had two Albertsons grocery stores. I had... 15 to 20 offices that we cleaned, and then I had window accounts during the day, and I had five people at one time worked for us, and we were just going and blowing big time. And then I had an encounter with God that radically changed my life more than anything. I was sitting in a pew at Carpenter's Home Church, and Dr. Rodney Howard Brown began to minister. People were laughing uncontrollably. They were weeping uncontrollably. They were falling out of the pew on the floor. I was getting glad. She was getting mad. <laughs> Because she didn't understand what was going on. And I was picked up and I thrown in the aisle and I, was rolled, I rolled up this hill. The whole place disappeared. About 5,000 people. The whole place disappeared. It was almost like time totally slowed down. I could, hear, I could not hear anybody. It was me and God and I heard the voice of God. And I talked to God as I'm rolling up the hill on all fours. Do you look like a Texas tumbleweed in the state of Florida? Praise God. Amen. And as this was happening, I said in my mind to God, 
because uh, he obviously knows our thoughts. Praise God. Amen. I said, God, what are you doing to me? Whatever you're doing, don't stop. That's what I said. And as I hit the mouth of that platform where Carpenter's Home Church was, I'd roll and hit the platform, and then I'd roll and hit the front row, and I'd roll. I mean, I'm like a log now. I'm rolling like a log. Rolling, rolling, rolling. And I finally came to a stop at the mouth of the, where I just rolled up, and my arms, got, my arms went up in the air automatically. I didn't do it. My arms went up in the air automatically, and I heard a voice. Just like Saul heard a voice. I heard a voice, and it said to me, I have a work for you, and the greater the work I do in you, the greater the work I'll do through you. You don't think being in Plant City has been hard here, folks? Coming against everything that, that's here and all that kind of stuff, the tradition and the religion and things like that. You don't think I've wanted to quit and move on to where I could go to a people that would receive us and not reject us and call us a cult and call us demonic? And call, oh, you, I had to change the name from Synergy Church to Life Family Church because the people in this town thought we were a part of the Church of Scientology. And I had to call my pastor on the phone and I said, Pastor, we're thinking about changing the name. He said, why is that? I said, because it's the Synergy Church. He said, uh, yeah, you probably need to change the name. I said, what do you think about Life Family Church? He said, it's fitting. I said, yes, sir. It's awful quiet in here. It's the touch of God. It's the touch of God that keeps us going. I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you the truth. It's the touch of God that keeps us going. You don't, you don't think I've questioned in my mind that I get to go overseas and stand on a platform anywhere from 3,000 to 60,000 people in the meeting and then I have to come back to Plant City? And it, we have done everything here. We have soul wind. We've done outreaches. We rented the Plant City Stadium, spent $15,000, did the first ever Easter outreach. 2,500 people came, 30,000 eggs. Rented a platform. You don't think I have swung the bat hard. I have gotten up to plate to swing. And I know it's not me. I know it's not me. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. You want to know what keeps me going? You. I am not kidding. I love you. I'm not kidding. What keeps me going is you. You keep me going. To see your faces to come. To get a touch from heaven. To get refueled. To hear the word of God. Because you know our hearts are pure. We have imperfections. But no impurities. God is my witness. I will stand before the throne of God. I'm going to tell you, the great wine throne judgment awaits my name. Amen. So please forgive us if we're trying to help you run your race and finish your course so that you could have rewards. Our whole goal is for you to have rewards. And it may be delayed gratification. Imagine that. To have delayed gratification. I want you to finish your assignment here. I don't want you to delay your... I don't, you, you will not be delayed 
but you will not be ahead. Brother Hagin taught us it's better to be behind God, a little bit behind God, than be out in front of God. Because you know what's easier to catch up? It's easier to catch up to be in the will of God. Because provision is made where the will of God is known. We have no interior motives. I want you to fulfill what God has called you to do. But preparation time is never wasted time. And you have to understand this. You have to understand the way you leave a place is the way you enter into the next season. That is so I just can't tell you how. The way you leave is the way you enter into the next season. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's forgiveness and repentance and all that kind of stuff and getting things right and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you things that are absolutely true. I am not, we are not novices. We've been doing this thing for 23 years. We have traveled all over the United States of America. We have been to several countries of the world, to many churches. And I'm not boasting when I say this. More than one million people have heard the gospel from the ministry. That is not an exaggeration. I am not evangelistically speaking. We have met presidents, governors, mayors of nations. We've actually, God in our little world that we have, and it's very little, has allowed us to do some pioneering first-time things. Like we were a part of the first one nation one day when 2,500 missionaries... In two 747 jets in 2013, June of 2013, landed in the country of Honduras. And those missionaries were loosed throughout the entire country from President Lobo Sosa all the way down to the janitor. And 1.3 million people gave their hearts to Christ in nine days. Our little, can anything good come out of Plant City? Me, Daniel King, and my son Josh went to the country of Nepal in 2010 in Sirket, Nepal, which is a Buddhist Hindu nation. 26 million Buddhists and Hindus, less than 2% are Christian. We went into Sirket, Nepal, did the first ever in history of that nation miracle healing crusade. 6,000 Buddhists and Hindus. I would rather be popular in heaven than popular on the earth any day. Let my name ring in heaven, the glorious acts of God, and may my name plunder hell. I want Satan to know my name. And when I wake up in the morning, he's like, oh, oh, no, no. He's up. Oh, my God. So we do this. All who want to come with us, please, I'll just take, get caught in the vortex. Praise God. Amen. Because when you come with us on a mission trip, and many of you have been on with us, do we hold you back when you're in churches? Come on, talk to me. Do we hold you back on the, on the crusade grounds? Are you casting devils out? Are you laying hands on the sick? Come on now. Are you pulling people out of wheelchairs? Come on. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. Who, who wouldn't want to be a part of that?
first time when you lay hands on somebody and they boom on the floor and start <laughs> start messing it up. I remember Jen lets me tell this story about you know I, I got permission. I've told this story before about Jen Sneed. The first time she, was Jen around? Is she around? Okay, she's in the back. Okay, so Jen lets me tell the story. The first time she laid hands on somebody, the person fell under the power of God and started manifesting a devil. She thought like something medically happened. <laughs> So she ran back to the platform and said, call EMS, call EMS. My daughter-in-law, Caitlin, said, you are EMS. Get back out there. <laughs> there is no EMS. <laughs> call 911. Call 911. You are 911. <laughs> Get back out there. <laughs> you, remember, you remember that? Yeah. You are 911. Get back out there. Nothing like it. What is it? It's the touch of God. The touch of God will keep you going when you feel like you want to quit and give up, and you just don't. It'll just keep you going. It's the touch of the touch of God on your life keeps you going. Amen. Amen. Keeps you going. Hallelujah. So we're doing the crusade in Burma. We're going to a place where there's never been a miracle healing crusade. Please pray for me. It is a 23-hour plane trip. Yeah, it's over by Thailand and China. It's on the other side of the marble <laughs> for two days. And then there's a three-hour hike up into the area where we're going. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, to, glory to God. I think I might stay up for a couple days and sleep during the day and so that when I get there, I've made the adjustment in the time zone. Because right now it's during the day there, right now. You know, it's morning time right there and it's nighttime for us. So I think I'm just going to stay up for two days and get used to And so that when I land there, I'm like, hey, I'm normal. What's the matter with you guys? <laughs> And Matt's coming with me to be our security. He's taking time off and all that kind of stuff. So he's going to come and be with us. And we'll be with uh, Daniel King and Todd DeLay. And then Chris DeLay's coming with that. So we'll be gone for nine days, I think it is, or something like that, in November. But man, for the sake of the call. Can you say amen? amen. So it's the touch of God on your life that will keep you going. You have to stay plugged in with like camp, like-minded people. Friday, I was with like-minded people. Who were you with? I was with Dan Dr. Daniel King. I was with uh, Daniel Kalinda. And I was with several other uh, evangelists that they're raising up to send them into Kenya to do quick strike crusades. So I got a chance to sit in. Daniel asked me because he was doing some teaching. These guys, oh my gosh, these guys are, they, they're serious. It is life and death. They, they are not playing church. Amen. And it's getting to the point that it is life and death, folks. It's, it's, it's heaven, it's hell. It, we're, it's, no, it's no more just this fog of, of Christendom. It's like total reality. People are out in the world are losing their minds. They're, they are... They're losing it. Even in the United States of America. It's worse overseas. 
You think it's bad here in the United States? It's worse overseas. Just the, the shifting of the spiritual realm. But the good news is, you are the light. You are the salt. You have the power in you to change nations of the world. So it's the touch of God. That's the reason why on Sunday nights we're just led by the Spirit of God. We're flowing the gifts of the Spirit. We can come and get filled back up so you can be poured out during the week. So you've got to stay with like-minded, faith-oriented, power-oriented, Holy Ghost-oriented, miracle signs, wonders, the preaching of the Word uncompromisingly. To be itching ears to people. No, no, no. You've got you to stay in the lineage of Jesus. Don't deviate from the lineage of Jesus. You all are of the lineage of Jesus. It goes Jesus, the disciples, people that are a part of our lineage would be like William Branham and Jack Coe and A.A. A. Allen and Amy Simple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman and Brother Hagen and Ken Copeland and... Come on, hello. Word of faith, word, of, word and spirit. People. Got to stay with word and spirit people. If you don't, it will diminish in your life. It will diminish in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. And it's, it would be so in, in, in today's society, it would be, it's easy to step over into being comfortable. Finances are good, business is good, job is good, bills are paid, all oh, this is awesome, you know, got pay raise, got bonuses, and yeah, I'll just, you know, everything's cool, everything's great, man, everything's good, and well, you know, I just let that, I'm not reading my Bible as much as I used to, and I'm not really going to church as much as I used to, and you know, I'm not going on missions anymore, hardly ever, and I'm not really winning souls, and these things just start to slip and 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 slip. So it's important that you press. You don't have to be a Christian doing. You be a Christian being. Be a Christian being. So it is the touch of God. This morning, Pastor Marie and I were spending time in devotion. She started to play this song. And the anointing of God came into my living room and I fell on my knees and I started crying and weeping and laughing. It's those moments that keep you going. When the hand of God comes on you, when you feel like quitting and feel like giving up and feel like not moving, going forward, it's those moments. And if it wasn't for that encounter that in 1993 that radically changed my life, I'll be honest with you, I would not do the ministry. Oh, God, I would not. If it wasn't for the Word of God and the mighty Holy Ghost, I guarantee you I would be a straitjacket in an insane asylum. Wrapped up on ministry. I'm serious. I would be... You want to be in the ministry? Oh, you want to, I need to write a book. Oh, you want to be in the ministry. I saw those young evangelists just so eager 
chomping at the bit. I mean, you could just tell the chomping, the chomping, the chomping, the chomping. You got to, you got to refine that chomping at the bit thing. You just, I mean, you just got to really refine, refine that chomping at the. I know exactly how they feel when you have a fire burning in your belly. I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. And the desire to be in ministry. This is very, what I'm doing right now is very minimum compared to the rest of what ministry is all about. Talk to the staff members and interns. They'll tell you the things that they have to do for the the ministry. But it's the touch of God that keeps you going. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. I will never leave the joy of the Holy Ghost. I will never leave signs, wonders, and miracles. I will never leave faith. I will never leave the preaching of the Word. I heard I had a pastor friend of mine who graduated Rhema. He said, sometimes Rhema graduates, they may not be able to flow in the Holy Ghost, but they could certainly preach the Word. Praise God. Amen. So we're just going to stick with the, preaching the Word, and we'll let the Holy Ghost do what He wants to do. But sometimes it's that encounter after encounter after encounter with God that keeps you going, that keeps the God reality. And a world is non-reality. We live in reality. They live in non-reality. We live in the real. They live in the false. Oh, man. Many, many people, many, 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 many people have already received the rewards. But you and I one day, we're going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because we've won souls or supported soul winning ministries, because we've gone out, because we stayed with the faith, we've run the race, we finished the course, we stuck with it, we kept on going. And kept on moving, and kept on going, and kept on moving, and kept on. I will not be defeated. I will not quit. And just kept on, kept on, kept it on, kept it on. And there'll be a day, there will be a soul winner's crown, and a crown of righteousness, and a robe of righteousness. And you'll have a mansion that you'll, you'll live in. Just make sure you complete the roof on your mansion, praise God. <laughs> you keep on running, and you keep on going. And you run your race, and you don't lose. Don't lose what's been imparted. Because it's easy to let it go under life's living, living life, life circumstances. Don't lose it. I forget the, who was it that wrote the book, Use It or Lose It? Do you all remember who that was? Yeah. So you got to use it or you lose it. calling on my life is to win the lost and revive the saint. That is the call on my life. That's what it, we focus all that. That's my job. Win the lost and revive the saint. What are you reviving the saint to do? To win the lost. <laughs> Amen. That's the call that's on my pastor's life. He wins the lost and he revives the saint. Does he not? That's what he does. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown is an apostle to the United States of America. He is an apostle. He wouldn't call himself an apostle. He is a genuine Holy Ghost apostle. 
He's not doing apostolic work. He is an apostle. How do you know that? He has several churches that he has planted around the world. An apostle does that. He has unusual signs and wonders in his ministry. That is a for sure thing. Hello. And his thrust is the souls of the earth. Not only that, he trains up harvesters to go and win the lost. He is an apostle. You want to know what an apostle looks like? Look at him. He's an apostle. An apostle has a message who is sent. He's a sent one to the United States of America to stir the churches for the coming revival. That's his whole goal. Stir the churches. He even admits himself he's not a crusade evangelist, even though he's done crusade evangelism. Most of his ministry has been in the church. He has stuck in with the churches. He, he's, I heard him say this. He said, crusade evangelists will call miracles from a platform. Brother Rodney, Pastor Rodney, Dr. Rodney, Apostle Rodney will lay hands on people. He will line them up because that's how he imparts the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Brother Hagen, in his latter years, went from the prophet's ministry to an apostolic ministry. He was an apostle. Really? How did that happen? Rama Bible Training Center has produced so many churches out of Rama Bible Training Center. Brother Hagen had unusual signs and wonders in his ministry in his latter years. He was an apostle. I didn't ever hear anybody say that. I knew he was an apostle because of what he established in the earth. All the Bible schools, all the rainbow Bible schools around the world and all the pastors and ministers that it has produced, that is apostolic, folks. That is a real apostle. He finished up as an apostle. Oh, hallelujah. He pastored for 12 years. Brother Hagin did. And then he went into... Prophet's ministry. Traveling ministry. Hallelujah. What was it? It was the touch of God on his life. It was the touch of God on his life. You read his story. He was a, a sick kid with a heart condition. He died. How many times did he die? Once or twice or three times or something? Came out of his body three times or something? Well, actually was descending to hell. Don't tell me God can't save you even as you're descending. He said he called on the name of Jesus. He had his, had his mother's Methodist Bible. So as he was coming in and out of his body, in between that life on this earth to death to descending, he called on the name of Jesus. And he got born again. And then, of course, he came up out of the bed, you know. Got up one morning. After Mark eleven twenty three and 24, got dressed, put his Sunday's best on, went down to breakfast. And I'm not sure who it was that said something. I'm not sure if it was his uncle or somebody that said something like that. Well, is the dead, living, is the dead among the living today? Yep. Had breakfast. It's the, touch of, it's the touch of God. It's the touch of God. 
I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this room. It's the touch of God that's going to keep you going. It happened in the Apostle Paul's ministry. You don't think he, he wanted to quit? Listen, when you've been shipwrecked, you spent a day and a night in the sea, you're among robbers, you're among robbers of your own countrymen, you've been stoned, Hello, I'm not talking about a doobie either. I'm talking about a rock concert. Praise God, amen. <laughs> Hello, come on. Hello, you've been stoned. You've been whipped 39 times, save one, twice. Hello, been in dungeons, been imprisoned. Come on, hello, somebody. And then all of a sudden, at the end of all that, you say, these are minor afflictions? <laughs> oh, my God, help us now. Those are minor afflictions? And you think you're going through hell? Are you kidding me? You think we're going through hell? We're not going through hell. You can become shark bait. The Apostle Paul said that. He said, these are all (laughs) minor. Did you know he said that? Yeah, he said that these were minor afflictions. A night and the day in the deep, shipwrecked. I mean, how would you like to be making a fire in, in the most wicked poisonous serpent comes out of the woods and grabs a hold of your hand and everybody is looking at you to see if you're going to swell up like an Oompa Loompa. (laughs) And he shook it off into the fire. Did you know that on the island of Malta, there is not a serpent on that island anymore. They all died. What? They're extinct. (laughs) Glory. (laughs) Don't let a serpent mess with you. They'll become extinct. Glory! (laughs) Extinction will take care of the serpent. Hallelujah, it's the touch of God on your life. I want a touch of God. We'll get hungry because that's where it starts. I'll finish with this. Spiritual hunger triggers the move of God in your life. I have to be hungry. You have to be hungry. Everybody, it starts with hunger. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. If there's no hunger, there's no thirst, then there's no filling. I, I have discovered the answer. Why do some people seem to get more of the, the anointing than other people? It has to do with hunger. That's the answer. I remember Richard Moore. Richard Moore traveled. He's going to be here for Word and Spirit. I'll finish with this. This is my third closing. Praise God. Amen. I remember Richard Moore. He traveled with Brother Rodney. Meeting after meeting after meeting after no touch of God. Meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And he would tell Dr. Rodney, I, well, you know, I didn't get it tonight. Well, Dr. Rodney said, get hungry. He said, I'm hungry. Next meeting, nothing happened. Well, Pastor, I'm just hungry. We'll get more hungrier. I am hungry. We'll get hungrier. And all of a sudden, one particular meeting, the hand of God came on Richard Moore. And I actually have video footage. Maybe I ought to take that clip and show him when he's here. It is amazing. He's at, he's at Benny Hinn's church in Orlando many, many years ago. And you can see the hand of God come on him. He tries to explain 
what happened in one of the services where the fire of God fell on him. I think that would be awesome. Say, Richard, this is for you, and we want to show it. I think we're going to do it. I'm going to set it up. We'll get it. I get, I get the video footage. We'll set it up. It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll set it up. We'll, do, we'll take up an offering or something and say, Brother Richard, this is for you. And then, and then we'll have him come up there. Adonica Howard Brown, Dr. Rodney's wife. It was six months of two meetings a day, six days a week, before she got an encounter with God in his meetings. She, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, she's, and then she got mad. She's like, why aren't you touching me? I mean, all these people are being touched and all that kind of stuff. And my using my husband, and, I, and you're not touching me. Why aren't you touching me? In one particular meeting she was in, she said, it's okay, Lord, don't worry about it. You don't have to touch me. Boom! The power of God fell on her. She fell on the floor. She was weeping and laughing uncontrollably. Snot was coming out of her nose. The most undignified. She was totally just after six months of being in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting meeting. What are you talking about tonight, Pastor? The touch of God. Having an encounter with God. And it's not just a one-time thing. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net Have a blessed week and remember... The best is yet to come.